Welcome to Design Your Life, a podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. My next guest is one of the shining lights in Australian furniture design. Immigrating from Malaysia to Adelaide in the 1970s, Kai Lu's early career in furniture design was heavily shaped by his father's love for Danish furniture. Developing the skills learned from dramatic cabinet makers, Kai quickly became a master of woodwork and design. Fast forward to today, and Kai was commissioned to create every single piece of furniture in Judith Nielsen's highly awarded Chippendale home, Indigo Slam. And recently he has been creating some unique pieces for Louis Vuitton stores across the world. Hey Kai, yep, it's yep. Really, really cool to catch up with you again. I haven't seen you for such a long time. Good to talk to you, Vince. Um, we, Thank you for inviting me to be part of this series. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's really cool. And um, we're doing this series on design, Australian design and made. So it's all about people doing amazing things here in, in Australia. Um, and I thought of you as my, one of my first guests uh, for this series. And we met way back in 2006 at uh, Object Gallery had this exhibition called Freestyle. And it was all about Australians designing and making uh, furniture and objects um, around Australia and you were one of them and we met then. It was an amazing opportunity to meet you at that stage. Uh, look, uh, that, that was, Vince, uh, that was a pivotal moment in, in, in my working career and, and I was so chuffed to be <clears throat> invited to be part of the freestyle exhibition and then that's when I first encountered your work. And, and I think <clears throat> soon after that we, we, we were chatting and, and uh, yeah, you ended up doing my website and 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 my branding and my logo, and mm. which today I, I still have and I'm very proud <laughs> of. And um, so thank you for that. It was it was it was uh, the best encounter I had for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was quite a special <laughs> moment um, for for me and for my uh, my studio as well because it's not often you you meet someone like you who's just so passionate about uh, doing things well. To such an unbelievable high standard, and um, yeah, actually, I find I found at the time quite intimidating because um, you know living up to that standard is, is really really hard, and especially when it's someone's personal brand, it's really hard yeah, to look, get that right. I can imagine, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it, it was perfect. It was like I was so proud of that um, of that website and and the logo, and you know, it 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 um, it brought so many people to my door and from all over the world, and. Uh, and it changed the way I, um, I conducted my business. So, <clears throat> wow, I didn't realize it did that. <laughs> that's really it cool. did. It did. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, that's the um, wonderful thing of collaborating um, with you is that that kind of it, it was, and we talk about this. Um, we'll talk about this later in the podcast. But you know, collaboration is a is a major part of 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 getting things right and and. Um, working with other people of, with different disciplines. I'm fascinated by how you work with your, your workshop too, because your workshop is obviously has some incredible craftspeople in there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I, I have a workshop just uh, a few hundred meters down from my, where my studio is. And <clears throat> I have um, five or six very skilled craftspeople working there. And, and, and they've been making things and restoring furniture and making furniture for 30 years or so, and I have a couple of younger people there as well. Um, and um, so it's, 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 a, it's a busy studio. It is a, a reasonably well-equipped studio, and we can make most things 
from it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I was fascinated by the fact that you didn't study, you studying economics, you didn't study design, you, st- you were repairing and collecting kind of vintage uh, Australian kind of decorative arts, etc., and uh, colonial mm-hmm. furniture. Mm-hmm. That was amazing how that how you evolved. Um, well, it, it was it was purely accidental because as as an economic student uh, student, I was um, <clears throat> furnishing my you know sort of flat and 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 I sort of attended um, auction houses and went to thrift shops to look for things and I. You know, there were many things there that, 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 that caught my eye, and things were so super cheap. So I, in, after a while, I, I bought more, much more than my flat could accommodate. And, um, <laughs> gra- gradually filled up my backyard as well. I was like this bower bird bringing things home day and night. Oh, amazing. <laughs> driving my flatmates nuts. So I, I ended up opening up a shop. Oh. And, you know, I found <clears throat> being an economic student really boring. And... I'd, I'd sit in the library, you know, and but on the on the other side of the aisle, there were books on Australian colonial art and Australian colonial architecture and <clears throat> and international architecture. And then one day, I discovered this book uh, on Australian furniture. It was called "Furniture from Nineteenth Century Furniture from Van Diemen's Land in New South Wales." And mm-hmm. I and I and I discovered that many of the things. <clears throat> in the book related to the, the kind of things that I was buying. And I, I realized then a lot of the stuff that I was buying was important 19th century Australian material culture. Wow. Uh, and, you know, I, but I, so I, I started up a shop um, promoting that. <clears throat> and I was so proud. I thought it was so, um, so clever. But, you know, people weren't interested. Oh, really? <laughs> and and it, was still, it was still a time, even in the early 70s, people were still buying modernist Things, yeah. things and you know laminated tables and uh, vinyl furniture and you know antiques just wasn't fashionable at all. Nobody wanted to know about it. So I, I <clears throat> so I, to 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 keep the shop going, I, I I learned how to restore the furniture and I ended up restoring furniture for other dealers and other collectors and mm-hmm. putting. So I took things apart and and put them back together and I refinished them and in the process learned about construction and learned about finish and learned about historical styles and techniques of construction. So mm. it was, it was, it was a, a, a great learning period for me. Wow. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, that it, it, you must have seen something in, in that furniture originally that other people didn't at the time. And thank God you did because you must have saved so many pieces. Yeah, look, I mean... Um, <clears throat> Look, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed the furniture, not so much just because of the utilitarian value, but I, <clears throat> the furniture gave me an insight into the place. It mm-hmm. gave me an insight into the country. It gave me an insight to its history. So it's about <clears throat> learning about the people. <clears throat> so, for example, um, there were um, Germanic migrants who came into South Australia in the the early part of the 19th century, so and they settled in the Adelaide Hills and in the Barossa. So by going to the Barossa and by going to the the Germanic settlements in the Adelaide Hills, I was actually able to learn about their culture. So it was mm. it, it was it was fulfilling in so many senses. I learned about the methods construction. I was able to look at the tools that the German cabinet makers brought with them. Mm. So after a while, I was able to differentiate between furniture 
made by the Germanic settlers and furniture made by the by the Irish or the English settlers. Just just from the way they construct the piece of furniture and from from the way uh, the, from the tools that were, they were using. So it was a very detailed study into their methods of making furniture and their the historical and cultural sort of forms which they apply to their furniture. Yeah, yeah. And it was just interesting in, so you were fixing this furniture, repairing it, studying it, and it it naturally evolved into designing your own, developing your own personal style, which I guess was a fusion of a whole bunch of influences. That's right. So, um, so I, 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 I sort of was engaging with Australian colonial furniture and, and uh, for about 20-something years. But in the meantime, I was always, always, I always had an interest in um, um, a modern um, design as well. So um, um, from 2000, I think from late 1999, 2000, I started going to Denmark and um, started buying Danish furniture to bring back to Adelaide as well. Mm. So um, and started learning about Danish methods of construction. Mm. Um, and I, then I discovered a whole new frontier there as well. So it was a, a whole new exciting phase of uh, looking at how people work, <clears throat> excuse me, looking at how people work and um, um, how, how uh, the, the way of, 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 um, of new ways of making furniture. So a modern way of making furniture. But we were talking about uh, your workshop and how important it is to you and the, I guess the beginning of what you were doing by repairing furniture um, and prior to selling it, I guess, um, and, and how much you learned from uh, the kind of historical furniture's forms and how they were made, et cetera, whilst you were repairing them. And I think that's such an interesting way of learning about design. And I think it's, in a way, kind of unusual, isn't it? It's a bit like an apprenticeship. Well, it, well, it, it was a, it was a twenty-year apprenticeship, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and you know, so it, 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 I was able to hone my skills then, really understanding construction and really understanding what you know, looking, being able to look at great proportions from from different cultures, from different from different countries, and uh, so. Um, so, so my design language took shape during this period. So, and so it, it influences my work even even today. So, but what what I find uh, interesting is that some people would would do that, but it doesn't mean that they necessarily become a designer of furniture. They might just keep repairing and and you know uh, fixing furniture and bringing it back to its kind of former glory. It doesn't necessarily make you a designer, does it? No, but I've, I've always been interested in design. I, I, I guess I've always, you know, like so. Even even as as a, as a student, I was always looking at while I was while I was restoring and 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 repairing antiques and and doing conservation work and buying things from museums and and and, and various private collectors. I was I also had on the other side. The other there was also another side of me that kept looking at sort of interior of architecture, visiting William Morris's gallery, checking out Macintosh's work, looking at all the great mod designers, and it's also, you know, looking at the work of Charles Eames, um, mid-20th century design, because <clears throat> I'll tell you a really interesting thing. My, mm. my father was like sort of like an amateur architect uh, oh. when he was young, and he built this 
He went to Tokyo in 1964 to the Tokyo Olympics and came back to Kuala Lumpur and built this kind of mad, crazy Japanese-style house, complete with shoji screens. In, and so it was a, it was an interesting mix between an LA case study and Japanese-style house with sort of you know separate pavilions, you know, connecting courtyards, and wow. in the middle of the jungle. Wow. And bought sort of mid twentieth century furniture. So I grew up with that. Ah. I grew up with that kind of Japanese style house with sort of mid twentieth Danish inspired furniture as well. So from there I came to Australia and then started looking at really primitive work, you know, from from the Barossa and beyond in, in sort of almost sort of frontier settlements or really rustic, you know, thing pieces of furniture strapped together with you know, bits of iron and kerosene boxes and, and you know, truly sort of settlement. First. So it's one extreme to the next. Mm. Um, Did you realize? So it, 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 it piqued my interest right from the beginning anyway. So I've always yeah. had that interest. Um, and so designing, so after a while, just gradually became, you know, inevitable, I guess. And did your dad know how much of an influence he was on you? I mean, that must have been a big influence. Uh, he was a, he was a big influence, yes, and he and he used to sit in my shop as well. And every time, and it was the biggest critic, you know, uh, critic. <laughs> so every time I made a made a chair, nah, nah, it's no good. It's not comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, no, it's a failure. <laughs> Maybe comfort so doesn't it was, factor in. It was in. good to have someone to be grounding like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? Was he right? Uh, yeah, he, he was right. Yes, he was mostly right. <laughs> So, <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> so they look beautiful. I just, yeah, I spent too much time trying to make things look beautiful and quiet, you know, and yeah. and, and make things too upright, you know. Because he was older then too, you know, so comfort was to him was everything. So that was a very good, interesting, a good and interesting lesson for me. That's interesting. You just said you make it quiet. Just can you explain that? Well, because I've always believed that furniture shouldn't dominate the room too much. You know, furniture is something that I guess, I, well, I'll tell you another story. In, in 1969, there were some racial riots in Kuala Lumpur. And as a kid, you know, we witnessed all our things being, our houses being burned down, people killed. And I actually, um, we all as a family slept in a, in a stadium for three weeks. Wow. So, um, uh, so I guess order and and and, and calmness and you know um, quietness <clears throat> is always something I've sought in my life as well as in my work. Mm. Um, and um, so it's 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 pervaded my work in the last for the last maybe twenty years. And even the Barossa furniture uh, and the, the colonial furniture that I used to to restore and collect had a quietness, you know, and uh, <clears throat> a domestic kind of uh, feel to to them. So. Mm. And what would be a, like a noisy piece of furniture? Well, a noisy piece of furniture, I suppose, would be really colorful uh, and have very many angles jutting and, and they'd be asymmetrical and... Um, yeah, and it would it, it would immediately engage you, so you can't escape it. You walk into a room, you see a noisy piece of furniture, a piece of noisy design, and you are distracted by it. Yeah. For me, because I, 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 I look at the, the room as a whole, so I look at the interior as a whole, and 
I would be looking at the light coming to the room, and I would be looking at the proportion of the room. Mm-hmm. I would be thinking of the sound of the room mm-hmm. and the shadow that comes in, mm-hmm. and then I would look at the furniture. And, um, and then yeah. would, would you know what furniture the room would need, or does a room yes, not need a furniture? Right. Is it the individuals living in the house? Sometimes, or? sometimes the room might not need the furniture. That you know, um, sometimes the room looks better without the furniture. I mean, sometimes you walk um, into someone's house and you go, oh my God, could they get any more furniture in here? Like, exactly. How or, many or any more objects. You yeah, know? exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah. how, how can you yeah. live with all that stuff? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't and spend- I like to make furniture that's it's simple, but at the same time, um, subtle, so that you, 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 discover, you discover things gradually. You know, you don't see everything. And you notice a construction method, and then you notice a particular angle. And when um, the light changes at a certain time of the day in a certain season, and the, when the light falls on a different part of the furniture, it, it, it takes on a, 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 another nuance and another form. Mm. So these are all the things I look for when I'm designing my own work. So, mm. um, do you so have it's, a f- it's, a constant, it's a constant discovery as well. And do you have a favorite material? Um, look, I mean, I've always worked with wood. So, I mean, natural materials. Is, um, wood, obviously, is my favorite material because, you know, it's, you know it's, it's good to touch for me. It, I just, and I, you know, I love this. When I, I've always, when I work with wood, I love the smell of working with wood and I love the touch of it. It's always warm, it's easy on the eye. So. Mm. And it's responsive and you can push it. So, and it, mm. because there's so many different types of wood, um, you, you can push it to any limit. So. Mm. And is it uh, local wood? Where where do you get your wood from? Uh, initially, I was mostly using local wood, but, but today, I mean, I, I, I get what whatever that's sort of um, sustainable and plantation grown. So American hardwoods, it's um, like American oak, uh, American walnut, um, some local timbers as well. So. It just really depends on what I'm making, and depends on if if uh, I choose harder woods. If I'm if I'm making things that I want to reflect more light, and I choose softer uh, softer looking I mean lighter colored woods like oak when when I want it to be quieter and more just utilitarian. So it really mm. just depends on on what I'm making. And is every piece that you design and make a one-off? Mostly, mostly, yeah. Um, and um, I mean, it's mo- small additions anyway, you know, because um, mm. I get a bit bored making too many things yeah. of the same thing, and I, I try to move on and do other things. Because um, mm. I'm mm. always exploring new forms, and, you know, after, after so many years, I'm still learning. So. And do you design, like, on a computer or a sketch or in the, in the, the workshop? How do you design? Is it sketchbook? Is it, you know, um, I can imagine it being very quietly. You're quietly designing somewhere. Do you use computers? Um, how, how, do you, how do you go about? Kind yeah, of look, I'm, 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 I'm the worst drawer in the world. <laughs> the worst illustrator in the world. I'm so sure I, I normally just uh, do a rough sketch. But, uh, you know, having said that, I know exactly. I'm, I've visualized the whole thing in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I draw a rough sketch and then put measurements to it. Mm-hmm. And then we, we we get it drawn up on the computer, and we do a rend- we do a render. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once 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 we've done the render, we do a life size mock up. Uh, and only after the life size mock up, 
will we make the real real thing the final final work so because it's always easy to put something on paper but it's different when you touch something and when you right. feel the weight of something it's it's entirely different so mm. most at 90% of the time I'm, I I make a mock up so the, the so the the craftspeople you have working with you must really understand your kind of vision Yes, most of them have been me for for many many years, you know, and um, fifteen years or so. That they understand what I'm doing. <clears throat> yeah. So when you they understand a... the language, that, yeah. which you know, so after a while, so. <clears throat> mm, it's interesting. Is, is it a, is it a, a dying kind of skill, or or has there been a resurgence of, uh, you know, the craft of making furniture? Well, there's not as many people around, uh, and it takes a long time. Uh, to acquire that skill. For example, there's a, there's a, there's a Japanese guy called Takeshi Iwe who works with me. He finished his associate, um, ship with, um, the jam factory as a furniture designer and maker. Mm-hmm. But when he came to me 10 years ago, um, we started from the beginning and after many, after only after many years did he actually start making furniture for me. Uh, so it mm-hmm. takes, Many years to acquire those hand skills, mm. and so and in answer to your question, yes, it's a it's a diminishing um, quantity of, of, of cabinet makers of, um, mm. who have that kind of level of skill. Uh, mm. Fortunately, there's been a resurgence in the last few years of you know um, of um, interest. So hopefully, things might improve a little. You know. So. Uh, but sort of cheap manufacturing has been a way to go, and then and because <clears throat> furniture manufacturing is a dying thing in Australia, like everything else, you know, mm. um, we've lost a lot of skills over the years. Yeah, I'm hoping that we're going to start kind of bringing those back, where with the the focus on designing and making local. Uh, this is the that's, for, for that's this exactly series. right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly yeah, mm. and that's why I, I I I keep the workshop going. I keep you know and then keep taking on new people to, to, so that they can learn how things are done. So, and do, do any, yes. any of those oh. people become, start designing their own furniture as well? Or are they, do they yes, look, look quite, quite a few of the people that have worked for me that have gone on and, and opened up their own workshops, employing uh, new people. So, yeah, it's, it's spreading, which is very encouraging. So, oh, that's cool. And I always encourage them to do their own work. Even when they work for me, I always encourage them to, to do their own work and to, you know, further their own design education and um, even try and make a living, you know, and try and supplement their income uh, from the wage they get from me. So, oh. so just so that they can think outside of what I'm doing. Do you, do you encourage them to find their own style, their own personal? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, because that's the work, that's the, that's the crux of the work, of the work that is, it's about, Finding my own style, and and I'm obviously I influence them to a certain degree, but I do encourage them to you know, you know, do do their own thing. So. Did you find delegating came easy to you in the early days? Yeah, I suppose yes, because I've always I've always um, had subcontractors making work for me, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've always very been very specific about what I want. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, no, it, it hasn't been too difficult delegating. Oh, that's good, that's good. Some people find it hard. I certainly found it hard in my early days, delegating my ideas and kind of getting people, uh-huh. helping people uh-huh. to understand. I've always been bossy. 
<laughs> yeah. I've been told. <laughs> what, one particular post said to me, I'm, I'm not going to do any work for you, Kyle. You're just way too fussy and bossy. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you've got a very strong, um, you know, strong personality and, and very strong um, opinion and um, creative direction. I was really excited when I heard about because I don't I only heard a little while ago. We have this. I have a my landlord, um, Judith Nelson, in our st- your studio. She commissioned you to do her wonderful house, Indigo Slam, uh, that William Smart designed. I don't know how long ago that was now. Three or four years ago, or something. Oh look, I started that in at the end of two thousand and eleven, oh, and wow. I finished with her in uh, two thousand and sixteen. Wow. So it was over time. five years. I was I was back and forth. I was like, it was an all-consuming project. Oh, I didn't realize she was your landlord. Yeah, landlady. <laughs> it's a small world. Yeah. Landlady, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Well, it's just around the corner from us, and and the house is absolutely <laughs> staggeringly incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's just it, um, it's it, uh, yeah, William Smart. And just tell us a bit how that came about, because I'm just fascinated by the whole the whole project. Look, I mean, one day, one day she was in Adelaide, so she loaned um, some of her works um, from White Rabbit Collection to uh, the Samstag Museum here. And she, while she was in Adelaide, she visited my shop, and she said, "Look, I would, I'd like to do something." And I said, "Yeah, sure." And and then one day I got a call from her to say <clears throat> to ask if I could help her look at some some of her own things because uh, she was thinking of moving house and now she bought this site and got William Smart to do Indigo Slam and design Indigo Slam <clears throat> the house for her and and then she said to me will any of these things fit in the house and I said well no not really so she, <laughs> so she then <laughs> so she said look why don't you build me a whole collection wow. for the house and you know it was it was a dream request I mean any designer would, would, you know, jump up and down with a request like that. So, and she was an amazing client, and she gave me complete freedom. Wow. And you designed everything, right? Every I designed everything. Piece. Every single piece, every every rug, every light. Um, you know, I had sheets commissioned, people to make sheets for her, and bought wow. the cutlery and everything. <laughs> it, was a, it was a complete work. And did, did, was it after um, the house was built, or was it during the process of it being during, built? During, during. So, as, right from the beginning, I, I met up with uh, William Smart Architects and mm. worked with them. Uh, and as as the house progressed, uh, you know, I, I I could see where it was heading, and then I sort of tune uh, the look of the furniture in a sense to the way the house was looking. Mm. Um, so uh, there was one Judith had said that she wanted this long room where 60 people could sit. So I had to make a table that set was 16 meters long to sit 64 people or 62 people. So surely not a single piece. Is it a single? No, it was in three. It was in four pieces, but even though each piece was like, you know, two pieces of five meters long, 5.5 meters long. So, so I really had to think outside the square to see how I could make a piece of furniture like that, not, you know, take over the whole room. Because you imagine a, a table 16 meters long, which is, mm. you know, the eye will be just taken to this lump of wood in the middle of the room. So I commissioned a, a local artist, Mary Jean Richardson, then to use uh, a particular kind of 
oil paint paint so that the, the table would still have a presence but not take over the room. There again is that whole thing of seen but not heard. And did the, did the obviously did the well the light and the the architect the architecture influence the design? Yes, it did. It said the curves inside, and you know it was a voluminous space, and and it had brick floors. So a lot of the furniture uh, meant uh, it meant that I wanted to make the furniture a little bit more expressive and and just give a little bit more life to the place, so to speak. Um, so I made this thing, uh, and, and, and Judith has got grandchildren that visit, so I, I was thinking of the grandchildren visiting as well. So, I, so I, bring, I wanted to bring a bit of humor and joy and life to the place. So in one particular room, I um, designed a, a couple of chairs, which called a sunflower chair, and then um, there were two Alice in Wonderland-type chairs, and mm. all based on sort of cartoons, and, and then Sean the Sheep chairs, and Penguin the Penguin, which children can relate to, yeah. but other adults can see it as interesting forms as well. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, it was quietly subversive. <laughs> so she just let, did she let you do whatever you wanted to do? Did she have any kind of feedback on No, there, was no there were no constraints. She never saw Amazing. the She never saw the, the, the work. <clears throat> That I was making for for four years until the very day I delivered, when we when we blocked off the street and delivered everything in oh, one oh go. Oh my God! From Adelaide. <laughs> From Adelaide. <laughs> so oh. we hired four massive trucks, blocked off all of O'Connor wow. Street because one of the carpets was nine meters long and it took ten people to carry it up the stairs. So. Holy cow! I know it was. Um, and so that, that, that was, uh, four years of, and, you know, but the amazing thing was that she provided so much work for so many artisans in Adelaide, mm. you know, so at, at one stage I had 28 different artisans working on things Incredible. from upholsterers, gilders, polishers, cabinet makers, metal smiths, painters, you know, a whole lot of artists working away, over, over. So she was most so generous with, uh, you know, with um, what they call it, commission. <laughs> was it intimidating for you that that scale of a project? I mean, it was not so much inti- intimidating, but really exciting. Mm. It was, you know, it was. Um, so I just, you know, you just because it went for so many years, you just started from the ground floor and just went each, you know, to the second floor and then to the third floor and down to the basement. So. Yeah. <clears throat> it did just great, and in the meantime, I was doing other things for her as well, mm. furnishing a library, and you know, uh, making things for uh, for another house which is next door. So I was I was doing a whole lot of other things as well. So. That's incredible. I mean, I, I kind of I wonder if that many commissions happen these days. That's that's pretty unusual, isn't it? Probably the, the one and only of its kind in Australia. I mean, the last time a commission of that size was. Was a known commission of that size was was done was when Nelson Rockefeller commissioned Nakashima in the 1970s, uh, George Nakashima in the 1970s to do, to make you know a, a collection for for his house in the country and I think that was the last time anything like this has been done. So, wow. Um, it's, um, it's a truly unique commission and I've been you know it's a once in a lifetime commission for any designer and I'm most grateful. How does it feel like uh, when you're walking around the house? And everything has been designed and touched by you. Tired. 
When I look back at the photos, I think, gosh, I, I can see why I was so exhausted. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, because it's like you're on a feverish pitch for four years. And, yeah. you know, you think about it day and night, everything. <clears throat> what I thought was interesting was that it, you didn't stop there. And as you said, you're working on a house nearby. But also you worked on her new gallery and theater too, right? That's right. Yeah. Look, and, and so as I was finishing uh, Indigo Slam, she said, oh, well, halfway, or three quarters of the way. So I said, well, I've bought the land next door and I'm thinking of building a, 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 a my own private gallery and uh, and uh, a performance space. So, <clears throat> so I she asked me if I could think of architects. So I brought in um, John Bottle from Melbourne, John Bottle architect from Melbourne and Durbeck Block. Jaggers mm-hmm. uh, from Sydney to to work together mm. uh, on, on 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 the space um, <clears throat> because Central Park is Central Park is such an interesting architectural phenomenon now because you've got all these architects like you've got Frank Gehry you've got Alexan you've got Denton Corker Marshall and then you've got Derbeck Block Jaggers and the UTS and mm. and William Smart of course and and I thought well you know with with in years to come, in, in, in you know that particular spot in Sydney uh, will define 21st century architecture mm. uh, in, in, in Sydney. That's why I thought it was important that other people were represented, um, and and I thought of John Waddle and, and Neil Derby because they both craft buildings beautifully mm. uh, and very very sophisticated in their approach and. Um, Incredible. So they work together really well. So. Yeah, incredible. It's interesting because we, we'd worked on, I remember working quite a long time ago when Central Park was just a hole in the ground when it was um, it was the bre- old brewery, Truman Brewery. That's right, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And Fraser's commissioned us to do the, the naming and the branding and the marketing for uh, the whole development. Um, so it was quite a, a long project for us. But I remember seeing this massive hole in the ground across the road from UTS, way before UTS is what it is today, and just seeing the White Rabbit Gallery behind it, going, why is that there? That seems such an unusual place for this gallery. And, and the standard, mm-hmm. again, William Smart had done it, right? And, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And, and found out that, you know, Judith mm-hmm. Nelson has one of the biggest Chinese art collection in the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it... it, it the area wasn't what it is today. All of a sudden, over time, mm-hmm. it's all kind of, it's grown and been some, grown. some wonderful, wonderful place now, actually. Yes. Yeah, so look, I mean, it, even when I started in 2011, it, 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 like you said, it was still very much a, a big hole in the ground and lots going on. And, and I remember uh, Jean Nouvel's building going up. Um, and I'm thinking, wow, wow, this is really interesting. And, yeah. and then suddenly Alexander was doing this, the brewery and you know and other things were popping up and yeah. the, the place changed and it's it's unrecognizable today. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we we should talk about vision because I mean Judith clearly has an incredible vision. Um, the fact that she's commissioned what she has today that collects that incredible art, the galleries, mm-hmm. her house, the mm-hmm. theater, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. She does. She does. You're right. Absolutely right. I mean, she. She and and she's fearless. Um, you know, and and um, and and, and she, she's got absolute trust trust in her own judgment. Mm. Uh, when she buys a painting, it's all about gut feeling. Mm. 
because uh, I, I went, I, I, I traveled with, uh, to China as well at one stage and to, and, 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 and saw firsthand how she bought the work for the White Rabbit Gallery. So mm. it's all based on, you know, gut instinct. And, um, so I think that gut instinct is served her really well. I mean, in, in establishing White Rabbit and buying the land for Indigo Slam and then, and then creating this incredible place called Phoenix. I mean, so generous of her, you know, um, yeah. as a gesture to Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's a beautiful building. And John, John Model Architect and New Derbeck uh, Block Jackets have done such an incredible job. They, they've won sort of big, you know, awards in the New South Wales Medallion um, and, you know, award for interiors. And, you know, so they're shortlisted in the National Architecture Award, shortlisted in the Zine Award. So, Mm. Um, it's been really exciting for them too. It really has. I'm, 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 I remember going quite a few years ago over to uh, Neil Durbach's uh, studio in King's Cross and just seeing the model, seeing kind of the gold, uh-huh. the gold foil underneath the um, ceiling and just, just incredible. Um, yes. The design yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and the opportunity mm-hmm. to, to do mm-hmm. what they mm-hmm. did is incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, see, to see two masterful practices coming together Putting their heads together was was a great was a real joy for me. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Were, were they naturally comfortable working together? Absolutely, it was. You know, it's a very playful process. We had we had a lot of fun. You know, with a lot of laughter. Oh, that's <laughs> of course, it was a deep learning curve for me. You know, going from making furniture to coordinating a project like that at the beginning. Huge learning curve, and I think sometimes I'd come, you know, on the plane back from Sydney. I think, oh, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Am I really doing this? <laughs> Amazing. So you you were trusting your instincts and your gut as well, right? Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, because I'd never worked with them before. So yeah, oh. I know them, of course, and I know of their work. That was, but also it was. You're right. It was, it was trusting the gut instinct as well. <clears throat> it's interesting because people often talk about this that um, sometimes people don't trust their instincts and in, in their intuition and their gut and and i i go through that sometimes and i have self-doubt i mean i think self-doubt is okay to have and natural mm-hmm. but not if it becomes stops you from doing things um did you ever get any moments where you just felt like paralyzed by the whole thing or nervous about the thing or just- no because i'm i think as i think it's for me uh Ever since I've arrived in Australia, you know, I've always operated and what I've got nothing to lose kind of attitude, you know, and just give it a go. And at the back of my, you know, obviously it's the, that, that gut instinct is backed up by, I mean, some research into the work as well, some knowledge yeah. of how they operate and, and understanding how they operate as well. So how people operate or what, or what the situation is. And that, um, and that creative confidence you've developed over time, it's through pushing yourself into new areas and I guess saying yes to things like commissioning uh, the theater and the, and the, and the gallery. Um, in a way, it's kind of, it is slightly outside of your normal kind of uh, day it, job. Yeah, it's always, always at every stage. It's at every stage, it's been well, outside of my day job. Yeah. <clears throat> so with Phoenix, for example, with suddenly I re- suddenly one day I found myself working with a... <clears throat> Ceramicist called Kirsten Coelho, sort of experimenting with glazing for the bricks for Phoenix, mm. and so we I got her to, to to work on a particular color for me, 
and then we fired the bricks at the, bricks of the jam factory to at different temperatures to see what kind of glaze we could get for the bricks. And then, and then John Waterlock is there, but then sort of talk to Krauss bricks in Victoria and get them made, handmade in Victoria. So, wow. so there was a whole new world for me. And um, so at every stage of my working life, it's been like that. So, oh my God, here we go again, you know. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> Amazing. And so what did it feel like when it, when it was completed like i mean you would have been going on site as as it evolved but walking around or being in a performance after it's completed did it feel incredible uh, well, I, mean, it, it, I didn't to be really honest i didn't see it to the end because I, mm. I i stepped away uh, about a year a couple of years before yeah. uh, but you know obviously i was involved for the first couple of years and even you know and I, I've, I've seen the inside i've walked through with with neil and john and it's a great satisfaction to think that you know, like something like that has been has been done, and and to Judith's credit, to have that kind of confidence yeah. in in Neil and John, uh, Neil Delbeck, uh, Delbeck and John Waddle to uh, to see that through, you know, so yeah. and a great visionary that she is. And I guess for her, thankfully, we have people like that. Yeah, ab- absolutely, commissioning such incredible pieces, mm-hmm. and, and huge advocates of the of the arts. Um, but, exactly. Yeah, huge support for us. <clears throat> but even that's a massive leap from doing White Rabbit to doing Indigo Slam and and everything else that um, she's been commissioning. Yeah, that's yeah, great. I think so. I mean, like, and, and, and then she has that big storage space called Dan Grove as well. I don't know yeah. whether you've seen that space. Yeah, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I've only seen the outside. But I've seen it documented, but it's incredible. Okay, okay. Yeah, she's been a big cultural force in Sydney and yeah. in the rest of Australia. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, <clears throat> so, what are you doing now? Like I said, I've been lucky to 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 keep the staff, to keep the the cabinet makers going. Um, as as the virus sets in, I was lucky, fortunate enough to get some work th- um, um, through New York from uh, some architects called Peter Marino Architects, mm-hmm. and because they, Louis Vuitton was making building all these new buildings throughout. Um, the world, and so we 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 made we've been making furniture for Sydney, Dubai, Osaka, and now now we're making some things for um, the Louis Vuitton store, the new Louis Vuitton store in uh, Tokyo. So it's wow. it's it kept kept the guys working. So it, we've been fortunate like that. So. And is again, is it is it a, a, an original piece for every show? Yes, every every piece, every store. It's 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 a it's a commissioned piece, and yeah, it's a new work. Do people commission um, you individually too? Say, you know, want a table? I want a an eight, yeah, eighteen meter. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, <laughs> I still have clients uh, from Sydney, Melbourne, and Adelaide, that um, and, and elsewhere that ask me to do things. Um, and um, so we're we're, st- we're we're still working. So fortunately, mm. um, what happens next year, I don't know. <laughs> but in the meantime, we'll we'll keep working. Yeah, you keep keep busy. Mm. I mean, it's a knock on yep. effect. But the more people see your wonderful designs etc the more you're going to get opportunities i guess yes yeah well hopefully that's the case yeah and it's going to, it's interesting isn't it when you look at adelaide it's coming out of adelaide of all places i mean i'm not being hard on adelaide but you know i know it's, i know but i was thinking though when you were talking about the the making of the uh, the website for instance i mean like in 2006 once we launched that website we were getting sort of interest from Great architectural firms from Paris, London, New York, 
Wow. We did interviews from Warsaw to Azerbaijan. <laughs> wow. And, you know, and we were doing all this out of Adelaide. And that's one of the things I want to do. I want to keep working from here because I know I can. Mm. I've demonstrated that you can work in your place that you love yeah. and, and, and take the work out there to the world. So. And people will find you. People will find you. People will find people you. Doing yeah, good things. people will find you. Yeah, yeah, people will find you. So. Yeah. I mean, you have to have your presence. You know, all said and done, you have to go out there, but you can have a base here. So. And do you teach at all? I mean, do you teach it in any design schools? I'm, I'm supposed, I'm, so, I'm associated with the University of South Australia, uh, but I haven't been teaching so much. You know, I've given lectures and things, and but uh, and I've mentored sort of master's students, but I, but I haven't been teaching as much. So perhaps I'll, I'll do more of it in, in the future. I don't know. And have you ever um, designed any houses or any any buildings yourself? Yes, I mean I've I've, I've designed my own house, and I've, I've recently when I when I finished Judith's project, I designed a house here in Adelaide and furnished it as well. So that was also an all-consuming project. So, and I made about sixty or seventy pieces of furniture for that house. Where can people see that? Because I I didn't see that on your website. It's purely furniture, isn't it? Uh, no, I've, I did the clients. Or is it wanted discreet? it to be discreet, yeah. Okay. So I haven't put any put anything up. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the house was it was like a fortress. So. <laughs> wow. And, um, I was, and I was happy to see that you're still using the logo that we did for you uh, back back then as well. Oh, so that's a bit it's timeless. The best. Thank well, you, Vince. <laughs> it, it's the best. It was influenced. People love it, you know. Yeah, it was influenced from your um, your furniture design, obviously. Um, yes, yeah, right, right from the get go, and uh, you know, so I, no, no, I've, and recently I, um, uh, I was looking at the, the the logo, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, you know, this is where it all started, thanks to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's uh, it was a wonderful project to to work with you on. It's interesting how things have have changed over the last, I guess, fifteen plus years. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be kind of more of a awareness of design, I feel. Um, certainly in what we're doing and, and with our clients, it seems to be much more of an awareness and the importance of design and doing things well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you found yeah. that as well? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, you know, sort of look at co- big corporations like Google and all that, yeah, they're, 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 they're much more aware now and, and much more tuned in into the, you know, the, the financial you know, rewards of Having good design, you know, and um, and you know, as, 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 and, and, and as places like China and Asia, I mean, it's amazing the designs coming out of mm. places, and, and you know, design has become so sophisticated now. Yeah. That um, so, in a sense, like as you're saying now, we're we're, we're reverting back now to more sort of hands-on, <clears throat> more domestic kind of work. Um, mm. So it's almost like. We're reverting back, you know. It's always, I guess, I, I guess it's always been like that, you know. As 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 as, as we change, things change over the years. So. Yeah. When when you started off, you know, repairing furniture, and then you started getting to designing furniture, is the furniture that you were repairing and collecting was influencing your early design? What what influences you now? I suppose I've developed the language and. <clears throat> Like when I make things now, I just want things to, to be joyful and, um, and for the work to have a, 
like a spirit. So cause these things are timeless. Forms, you know, come and go, but <clears throat> a spirit in a work and joy and in a work is it's timeless. Mm. Um, so if I can, if I can bring a little bit of back, a little bit of that to the work, I'm happy. So they, these these are the sort of things that are and, and a bit humor too, you know, not to take life too seriously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to, not to take the work too seriously. No, and it's kind but, of a, I've kind of wonder about that in terms of how you approach your life. Um, and you know, the big question around have you designed your life and what 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 a, what is your approach to life? I mean, I, I can hear it loud and clear in your work, um, mm-hmm. but how do you look after yourself? Um, ensure that you're the best you can be. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm thinking back now, and I'm thinking my my whole life here. Well, in in, 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 in I was a kid in Kuala Lumpur, but it, I sort of basically <clears throat> grew up in Australia, and my whole life has been a series of encounters of of discovery. You know, and mm-hmm. I discover something, and I get deeply involved with it, and then I I encounter people, and then it set me on a different trajectory, and mm-hmm. My way of designing is to not to have such a fixated vision and just let things be a bit more pliable and go with whatever is exciting and whatever is interesting, yeah. whatever is rewarding at a particular time. But you seem to be, um, I mean, when I look at the furniture and I've seen a few original pieces, I mean, there's, they're flawless, they're perfect, you know. And I know it's perfection is incredibly hard to achieve. Um <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you think they're perfect, but yeah, um, I mean, obviously I, I'm lucky to have, you know, incredible craftsmen working for me and I'm a very detailed person, I guess. Yes. And, you know, I walk past a, a work that's going, I can say, well, that's two meals out and they'll raise their eyebrows. Say, oh God, here we go. You know, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but do you treat, you must apply that in your everyday life, no? I mean, in terms of your, what you eat. Um, yes, I, I suppose I, I am. I, I am quite. I'm quite um, disciplined like that. I guess you know. Um, I, I I I have a yeah. You, you, you're absolutely right. Um, I I'm careful about what I eat and what I do, but you know sometimes you have to let go as well. So try not to be too disciplined. Uh, occasionally, you've got to you know be a little bit crazy as well. So yeah, yeah, mix, and laugh a, mix, a lot. Yeah, mix it up, laugh a lot. Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. Um, well, it's interesting. And obviously, previously you were traveling a lot. How do you? How are you feeling now with this kind of the situation that we can't fly anywhere at the moment? Look, I'm really enjoying it. To be really honest, Vince, mm. um, you know, I'm being able to stay home a lot more. I mean, I, I, I just feel that I just realize now that you know I've been operating at a feverish pitch for a long time. Yes. And, you know, I've been sort of gunning it literally for, for years and then, you know, and just have a quieter moment like this. It's been very, very um, rewarding. Mm. Uh, and just to sit down and uh, be able to think a little bit more slowly, it's been terrific. So I'm not looking forward to rushing around again. No. Well, maybe we won't. Maybe we won't get just go straight back to that. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, slowing down. I've really enjoyed mm-hmm. to refocus. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And appreciate more simple things in life. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mostly time. <laughs> mm-hmm. As you say, we've all been kind of rushing around like headless chickens. You know, it's just been mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. manic um, mm-hmm. in terms of survival, getting things done, being challenged. Yeah. yeah. Getting challenged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Getting through it. Yeah, you're right. So 
um, well, we'll see. This is an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it really is. Is there anything you haven't designed yet that you want to design? <sighs> I'll, I'll answer your, your question tomorrow when I wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done a boat? I can imagine you doing a stunning boat. I was asked that many years ago in New York. Can you, can you fit out the interior of a boat? And I said, no. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, be really uh, yeah, look, you know, I'll never say never. That's my that's that's been my downfall, uh, and, and uh, it's been well. I've been too eager to experiment to do things, so um, so I never say never. <laughs> yeah, there's always tomorrow. Yeah, is that is that your kind of outlook on life? Just kind of saying yes and and um and 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 taking projects on and kind of getting through it. Perseverance. If I find, if I think, if I think it's going to be interesting, and it's going to, if I think it's going to be rewarding in some some way, yes. Okay. Um, but I've learned to say no um, uh, a little bit better. Let's talk uh, about a little that. bit better. Not not so great, but just a little bit better. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Or are you going to say no? <laughs> <laughs> because that's, that's that, I find that hard to say no personally. I I, I struggle with that because I just think of the the potential of something, even if I think it's not yes. right necessarily, I think, well, actually it could, it could actually turn out right or it could lead to something better. It could lead to something else. But yes. how, how have you yes. learned to yes. say no? I, have, I haven't been as successful as I would like to be, I, I must admit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I've been thinking about it a lot. <laughs> so do you turn projects down? Do someone come to you and you say, look, I just don't feel this is right for me? I mean, I guess during the period where you were working on Judith's building. You, you probably didn't have any time to do anything else, did you? No, really, no. For four years, basically, I was, for four years, absolutely, I was only, mostly just 90% of the time was on doing her work. You know, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was all consuming, let's face it, you know. Yeah. And it's only even the last few years that I've had a bit more time. And, and, then, and then I was building this house, designing and building this house and making all the furniture for it and in, in between making things for other clients in Sydney and Melbourne as well and Adelaide as well, so... There really hasn't been much time to 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 reset, so to speak. Mm. Oh, no. Okay. Well, look, it's been really wonderful catching up with you, Kai. It's been a long time, and it's been so wonderful to hear you doing so well and and the incredible projects you've been working on. I really appreciate you helping raise the standards in Australia um, in what you do and uh, your wonderful spirit and energy around that as well. Thank you. Well, thank you, Vince. It's been great talking to you, and I, and I look forward to working together soon. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Designing Your Life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au. If you enjoyed this episode and found it inspiring, please don't forget to review or subscribe.